Welcome to Coons' Diary! Hey folks, it's January 28th, 2013. This is episode, I believe, 26 of Coons' Diary. Thanks to you guys for joining and taking part once again in this show of Coons' Rant, essentially. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and what I'm going to talk about today is I had a request from a user to go ahead and talk a little bit about how I'm painting the bone on my Tomb King skeleton. So, I'm just going to go ahead. This is just an overview of the colors and some of the techniques that I'm using to paint a Tomb King skeleton. At some point, I'd like to go ahead and do a little YouTube video as soon as I kind of figure out the video editing software situation and such. I need. I have some work to do watching some videos and such to figure out which software platform I like the best. Let's go ahead and get started then talking about painting skeleton bone. Now, first thing I want to establish here is that I know I hear I talk a lot about prism gaming paints and such on the main show. And I've talked about that before in some of the other things that I've painted. I use a combination here of Prism Gaming washes along with Reaper Master Series paints. I love both lines. They both have their applications. I like the Reaper Master Series in different ways than I like the Prism Gaming stuff. I like the Prism Gaming stuff. It really compares very well. It's very excellent comparison to some of the Citadel uh, or to the Citadel line of paints. Uh, they don't really have, I don't think there's a, a proper, well, I guess there is a proper painting system that goes with their bases and finish paints or uh, and some of the other, whatever other colors that they have. So I don't want to get into which is better and which is worse, but I've, I've had a bunch of Reaper Master Series paints that I won back at Last Year's Standing, and I've been incorporating them into a lot of the work. And one of the projects, and since I was doing this project with the Tomb Kings and I was trying to paint an army that's at that next level, I wanted to try using the dropper bottles and using the Reaper Master Series paints and see how I liked them. I've got to say I'm absolutely in love with them. They're, they're exceptional paints just like the Prism Gaming Paints. And that's why I'm using a combination of, of the washes from Prism along with the paints from Reaper to get the effect that I'm looking for. The other thing with the Prism Gaming Paints here and why I'm not using them more is that I just don't own that many colors of the, the primary colors, and I didn't own any of the bonish colors. And unfortunately, the local my local store ran out of them. So I, was, I, I didn't want to have to drop a bunch of money. I had all the colors I wanted and the Reaper colors, and that's what I'm using. So I've got a Tomb King skeleton. I've got them assembled. I've got them all put together the way I want them, and I put them together fully. I then go ahead and I prime the models with a white undercoat. You guys can choose whatever white undercoat works best for you. I'm not going to be here to tell you which one works. I went down to Home Depot, and right now I'm using a white undercoat that is, I think, $4 a can, and I've gotten the longest usage out of it. It coats really thick, which means I've got to spray from a little further away, but it works ideally. It's probably some of the best primer I've used. And I'm, I'm always, I mean, all my primers I'm using are spray primers, so it's not like I'm using something that's way out of the line, that's something you maybe you don't use normally or haven't used before. 
I have used the Games Workshop Citadel White Primer. I have used the Army Painter White Primer. I've even used the Armory White Primer. They all work just fine. For my dollar, the best value I've gotten is the stuff, the, some cheap stuff I bought at Home Depot. And I couldn't even tell you the brand. I'm not even sure if there is a brand. It's in a, like a black and white can. Once I've got the model primed and, and all of your standard priming techniques apply here, I go ahead and bring models to my table. And I'm bringing about four or five models to the table at a time. I don't want to bring any more than that. Otherwise, I, I get too overwhelmed in the number of models with the amount of effort and time that I'm putting into these guys. You know, it, it, there's nothing more frustrating for me personally than working and painting on models and not seeing real progress happen while I'm working on the table, especially with the level of layering that I'm doing with these figures. So the first thing I do is I go ahead and grab my Reaper Desert Tan, and I mix that. I put that to my palette with a couple of drops on my palette and mix it with just a... Uh, just a little bit of water. I'd say it's probably close to 25%. I just want to thin the paint down so it goes on a little more quickly. At this point, since it's the first color I'm putting on and it's going to be the primary color for the model, I'm using a little bit larger brush, but I want to try to watch out when I'm applying the paint to the model that I don't get any pockets on it. And if it's it's okay if it ends up looking a little thin and the white bleeds through because I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put this desert tan on first. And I'm going to go ahead and then once that's done, all, all five models and it's set up and dried, if it looks like there's a little too much white sticking through, I go ahead and do it again. And I'd rather do it twice with a thinner coat of paint than do it once with a thicker coat of paint. And here's why. It is entirely based on the level of detail that's going to show through on the model. Thinner paint means that their paint does go on in a way that allows the details not to get kind of coated over. So... Not to mention the dry time, honest, believe it or not, the thinner, more watered-down paint actually dry, it seems to dry quite a bit faster than the than a thicker coat of paint. And there, I know there's a number of reasons. I'm not a, I, I'm not a chemist. I'm not a classically trained artist, so I don't have those for, here for you. But that definitely is something that is apparent as you as you paint. It doesn't seem to make sense right off the top of your head. You know, adding water, it's more watered down. It shouldn't take some. It does actually evaporate faster and dry a little quicker. So after I've got a good solid base of desert tan over all of the bone portions of the mo of the skeleton, I go ahead and w take my Prism Leather Wash, and I drink. I take a few drops of that to my palate and mix that with about 50% water. And the reason being is that straight out of the pot, the Prism Leather Wash is very dark. It's a very deep, rich brown. So by thinning it down with a 50% like 50% water, I get that old. Games Workshop Devlin Mud Effect, and it works so perfect for the skeletons. So I go ahead and wash all of the portions of the, of the skeletons that I've done with the Desert Tan with that Prism Leather Wash with that mix with water. And what that does is then it gives me it gives me the depth that I'm looking for in the model. It gives that deep cracks. When you look at my skeletons and you see how dark how dark brown it is and all of those recesses in between the bones, that's from that leather that leather wash. Okay, so then I go ahead and I go back with another coat of desert tan, and I'm using a painting medium that I've got I picked up from Michael's. It's a local art craft store here in town. They're in just about every little town in America, and uh, painting medium basically is the stuff that when they they put to, put in paint to hold the paint, the little particles, the flakes of of paint together to make, actually make an acrylic paint. And in in terms of acrylic paints as what binds the paint together. So I'm basically adding that to the paint to 
dilute the paint, but the, the real effect that you get here when you're using painting medium like this is that in, in, a, in a 3D model is that it, it the paint tends to want to stick then to the raised areas more. So I can be... I don't have to be like I don't have to be super accurate. It does make up for a little bit of human error in painting. Now I still also then since I'm adding this, it's going to thicken it up. So I need to thin it down a little bit too. So I throw in about 50% water so that I have a little bit thicker, probably about the consistency of the way the paint came out of the pot there out of the dropper bottle in the first place. But it's uh it maybe a touch thinner. And I go ahead, then, because I don't want this to really go in the recesses, I do take some care here to paint and, and to try to make sure that I'm hitting. I don't necessarily get super accurate with the paint here at this point. In fact, it's almost like a dry brush, but it's not a dry brush over the model. And part of that is because I'm putting the medium into that paint, so it doesn't want to necessarily sink into the, the cracks and crevices. It does a little bit, but that's fine. Okay, so I've gotten that second coat, or I've gotten probably in my, I've into my, I'm actually into my third step, that that completes the third step, and uh, probably the fourth coat of paint brush work I've done on the model, and I'm nowhere near. It does, you can start to really see that at this point, you really do see the skeleton start to pop. It starts to like look like a skeleton at this point. You should start seeing the depth. You start getting, it starts getting you excited. So you're starting to see, get that feeling. Remember I said, I love being able to get that feeling like I'm actually accomplishing something on the, ta- on the painting table. This is the point where it's, you're starting to feel like, wow, I'm really getting somewhere. This is going fast. Well, there's still several more steps. So the next step that I do is I take that desert tan and I take some of the Reaper Tusk Ivory, usually about a one-to-one mixture one drop of a desert tan one drop of reaper tusk ivory and this is unfortunately since i'm not going to use a lot of it there's a little bit of paint wasted at this point i'm going to go ahead and mix these two together it gives me a a little bit of a it's a lighter tan color one of the things i I didn't mention here that i use a desert tan it's a real yellowish brown in color, and it really, I want my skeletons to have that little bit of a yellowed old bone look, and I think that may help them look a little more natural. It helps that transition from the dark brown of the leather wash to the a little bit of a yellowed brown to the, the bone white that's that's at the top of my, of my bone. I go ahead and mix in a little bit, about one-to-one of that. I add in, again, painting medium to the mix, and I thin it down so it's about the same consistency as it was in the previous step when I was just brushing on the desert tan. Now I'm going to take a little more care at this point. I want to aim a little bit more for the raised areas. I'm starting this as my first phase in highlighting the model, so I want to make sure I take a little care in that and get that right. The next step, then, is to go back and and to use uh, the same level of of mixture, maybe even a little thinner. I actually like to go even thinner at this point, so it's uh, the paint is almost a consistency of water with just straight Reaper Tusk Ivory. I also then mix in some medium again. I, I love using the stuff. It helps me make become a more efficient, faster painter without having to do a lot of additional, and still get that high-quality detail without having to do a lot of additional work. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to brush this on, and I'm aiming all for the high points. I still want to hit mostly the entire model, and I'm going to go through all all four or five models I have in the line, and then I'm going to go right back to the first one and do a second coat 
of that in the extremely raised points. So like the shoulders, and this is where I start to take into a little bit of consideration. Um, the lighting source, I'm not a lighting source painter. I do get it. I understand why people want to do that. I don't understand why the great painters do it. I'm not a lighting source painter myself, but I do take in mind a little bit of the lighting source. I tend to have the light coming down on my skeleton's right shoulders. And so I do take it in mind and I try to hit all of the right side of the model to bring that up a little bit more. I also find with the, with the skeleton archers I've done so far, that's also the side of the model that's a little more, it's a little more down. It's a spare arm in a lot of cases. So it's a little bit easier to work with. And there's more of that kind of exposed bone area there. So I think it helps make the model makes the models pop a little bit. So I'm hitting all the, raised, the some of the raised cheekbones and the forehead bones of the of this face, and I'm going to go ahead and hit that shoulder a second time, and I'm going to hit maybe that leg on the right side a second time, maybe just a very few touch highlights then on the left side. Not very much though. Again, I'm like keep trying to keep that lighting source in mind so that the light so that say the the light or the sun is shining on their model's right side. Then I'm going to go ahead, at this point, I've still got a little bit of that, probably the tusk ivory mix on the on the palette still. I'm going to go ahead and go back and add, actually, a little bit of, I have, the only white I have on hand right now is the old Citadel Skull White from the old Games Workshop line of paints. I mixed just a touch, maybe 25% into that tusk ivory, and... Uh, again, it's, I, I don't mix in any additional water at this point, really. I might have to because the paint's been on my palette for a while, and I'm not using a wet palette or anything like that just to, to thin it back out. But I'm still getting back to that milky kind of consistency on the paint. And again, go over just the very, very fine highlights, mostly just on that right side of the model because I am trying to not, I'm not a light source painter. I, I know I've made that point already, but I want to kind of hit that side of the model. All right, now I'm going to go ahead then. That that pretty much completes my final highlights. I want to go back and touch up the cracks and crevices because obviously early in the early in my focus, I wasn't necessarily worried about all the crevice spaces in the model. And I do, especially it's really noticeable in the chest bones in particular that where you might have had a little sloppage in one in one crack isn't very dark or, or you know, between the two bones, uh, the two rib bones. So I like to go back and hit the models with just a, a really fine brush and straight out of the pot prism leather wash to go ahead and just define those the, the the ribs a little bit better and I may look at some of the other joints and see if they need a little bit of defining for the most part I don't have any problems with like eye sockets but the teeth in particular tend to be a problem area and I like to go back and define those to have the, so the model has kind of defined teeth I think that's a, a signature thing for skeletons and that tends to be kind of time consuming because this is the the biggest spot where accuracy does matter it's always good to then have since accuracy it does matter to have a spare brush I like to use in this point to kind of clean up messes as you make them. So as soon as you make it while the paint's still wet, if there's a, if there's a mistake here, I go in with a, a clean brush that's dry and just kind of stab at to clean up the, the wash that I've got in the wrong spot. And that's one of the other advantages of using a really watered-down paint is that if you have a dry brush that hasn't been dipped in, you know, isn't wet and hasn't been dipped in color, 
that it will absorb your mistake really quickly and really fast. So you clean up your mistakes really quickly and you don't have a lot of monkeying around. So that kind of finishes up how I'm painting my bone. As you can see, there's I've got actually seven steps written down here on my painting log. It is something I find that has been incredibly useful. It's the first time I've ever done this kind of army or this kind of level of painting, and I wanted to make sure that I had a logbook so that if there was a point where I took a month off, like I just did, I could go back and kind of sort out exactly what I was doing to get those colors so that every model through the army looks unified and that my painting process through the army really isn't about getting better or improving my technique so much as it is improving the speed of me applying that technique and, and maybe uncovering a little bit of a different way to apply that technique as I go through the model to get that same unified look for every model from the beginning to the end. And so that's one of the things I was really trying to achieve with this army, and it's something I, I found it's useful. So it's another thing that you might want to take out of this Conzi's Diary just for your own references so that you have that going forward. All right. Well, that's pretty much it. I've talked about painting bone today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Let me know. Go ahead and, and shoot me a tweet on Twitter. Hit me on Facebook. Let me know that you've, you enjoyed this or appreciated it. If you have any questions, of course, you can go ahead and send them to the Conesy at bcone at wiscodice.com. Otherwise, peace out and keep on painting. I don't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you.